This is a very challenging subject um, that we're talking about today and next week, really, in terms of the whole thing with marriage and, and so forth. Um, because think about it from my perspective, I'm addressing people in these three services from, from all walks of life, uh, most married, um, some young, some old, some, some in the middle of stuff, some in the middle of in, in a couple of cases, some earlier services. I knew of that I know of. I don't even I obviously don't know everybody, but I know of a, of a couple of, of a couple of different people who were here in the middle of a divorce. And so, so if wherever you are in this whole thing, hang in there with me and apply it to you know where you are now and maybe where you're going to be in the future. Just stay with me on it because it's always easy, you know, to you know, oh, you know, I'm in this situation right now, you know, whatever. I'm single or I'm divorced or in the middle of it or or my whatever. It doesn't really apply to me. It can apply to you, and it's never too late uh, to make that application. So I just want to I want to say that. Um, and the other thing that, that when you when you talk about this whole thing of conflicted couples and and sometimes a person in my stage of life. Um, with the gray hair and, and 36 years of marriage and so forth, uh, sometimes people would, would give that instant credibility. Well, you've been married 36 years, which kind of, which kind of, it's really interesting because I've been a pastor, I've been a minister for 30 years, and um, and I think about doing a, a message like this, and and the thing, and I I think I'm pretty well qualified to do that now, um, but the funny thing is I remember doing it about. 25 or 30 years ago, and I don't know why anybody listened to me. I don't know. I have no idea why they listened to me, but but they did. And um, but you know what? I, I'm more. I'm here. Don't give me too much credit because I've been married 36 years. Because there are a lot of marriages that have been 35 or 40 years. Frankly, I wouldn't want to be a part of that. Just you know, it's not just about qual- quantity. Quantity is good, and you should try to stay together, and you should do everything you can to stay together. I'm not, I'm not, not putting that down, but I want to talk about quality, because it's not just about staying together. It's about staying together and having a fun, meaningful relationship with the person that you're married to. I, this is, whether it's just fortunate or whether it's just providential, this comes on the heels. My, Charlene and I had just been on a uh, 12-day trip, 12 days, 13 states in a car, and um, we took a car because our daughter is um, less than a month due with her, her, our third grandchild, our first granddaughter, uh, the doctors say, and um, so we, we did that, and you know what, it was really, I don't know, it was just, it, it was really kind of fitting and timing for us because one of the things that we did, we had a perfect blend we had for us. We had family, we had friends, and then we had just t- alone time, no, all, all three, which was really good. But one of the things we did when we had some alone time, we went to Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is where we started our marriage. And uh, we lived there for about a year, and it was kind of, I've been there in 35, 35 years. We've been married 36 years. And um, it was weird, you know. We were looking around and trying to find the first apartment we had, found it. As soon as we found it, we started looking around and made sure our doors were locked because it was like, whoa, man, look at this. It was just, uh, you know, one of those things. Um, so it, it's come on the, you know, it's good to be able to think back and reflect, but at the same time, what, what, what we need to do is, where am I now, and how am I going to get to where I need to be? And that's why I'm talking about conflicted couples. 
how they, how they get unconflicted and stay that way. That's really my theme here, okay? Because this is an important, important issue. Now, as I said a moment ago, you know, when we talk about conflicted couples, we're talking about people who are overwhelmed by disagreements. We're talking about people who have no talk about zones. You know, we don't talk about that. You, you can't really do that. You can't just pull a cover or, you know, a little rug over, okay, just sweep it underneath there. We won't, we won't deal with it. That stuff has a way of just popping out at the wrong times. Can't do that. Now, we're talking about, you know, couples who've resigned themselves to the fact that it'll never get any better. If you're in that situation, I want you to know it can. There is hope. It can get better. And by God's grace and by God's power, you can, you can, there can be a new day for you. So if you're in that situation, hang on. All right? And then there's, of course, as I say, to the married if you're there right now, just let's, let's just let's just talk about that. If you're if you're not, and maybe you're in a good place in your marriage right now, God bless you. This will just be a reminder for you. So, to the divorced, you know what? Let's learn it now. Let's do it. You say, well, it's too. It's never too late. Let's learn now. You know, it's never too late to do what's right. And then to the single, you know, you got, you know, this is always kind of awkward with single folks, and, 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 and you haven't found Mr. Right or Miss Right, maybe you've found Mr. Right now or Miss Right now, but you haven't found Mr. Right or Miss Right or the Knight or Knight S on Shining Armor or whatever, um, hey, that's okay, learn, learn it, you need, here's what you need to think of, you need to think about being the person God wants you to be where you are, so when that person does come along, you'll be where you need to be, so Hang in there with me, wherever you are in this whole thing. Let's jump into this. I gotta, um, I'm pretty passionate about this, and I've got to be careful because I can end up, it's so good coming back to Jersey because after the first service, no, you know, none of our staff ever come down to, downstairs. I'm always down there, and that's fine. They are up here doing other stuff. But one of our staff members, I won't say who, came down when I'm downstairs seeing all of you uh, on the sidewalk there. He came down and said, uh, you went 37 minutes. You went 37 minutes. You know, I'm like, God, it's good to be back in Jersey. I've been, I've been in gentle places, you know, Ohio and Alabama and Georgia and D.C. It's just, you know. So I get real passionate about this subject, okay? Um, and it's some, oftentimes people say, how long does it take you to prepare a talk? This one took about 30 years, Okay. So, um, so hang in there with me on this one, and I, I've got a lot to say. And I've lived with some of these verses for a long, long time. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be arrogant or obnoxious, but I know what I'm talking about. Okay, I know what I'm talking about because I know the text, I know the Bible, and I've and I've and I've lived, I've lived it. Sometimes I haven't lived it well, but I've lived it, and. Uh, so hang on there with me, all right? Let's just let's deal with some of these issues. How do, how do conflicted couples get unconflicted and stay that way? Three things I'm going to give you. And if you know me very well, you know I don't believe in formulas or templates, but I'm going to give you three things to kind of hang your hat on and, and just go from there. I'm going to start off by just reading this passage we're going to talk about, which is Ephesians 5, and it starts in verse 21, and it's from the message paraphrase. And I'll show you why I'm using that in just a moment. But just follow along with me. Ephesians 5, 21, I start off with what I call the lost verse in Scripture. You don't hear about this verse very much. Out of respect for Christ... Be courteously reverend or submit to one another. Hmm. When was the last time you heard that? Wives are supposed to submit to husbands? Yeah. 
And husbands are supposed to submit to wives. Works both ways. Watch this. Keep going. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. I've heard about cherishing. Heard about that last week. We, did, we, we, we you know, why didn't we do that song? You know, cherishes the word. You don't know that song. Um, all right. Anyway, great word. I love that. All right. So, you know, husband. Oh, keep, keep, go back to verse twenty. So, so, husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does, but not not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Oh, oh, don't forget verse 21. We submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. Keep reading. Verse 25, husbands go all out. Go all out. This is, I love this part, the way he, they, they did this translation or paraphrase. Husbands go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her. Wow, this is so good. Watch this. Dress, now, the, her is the church. The church is Renaissance church. It's Methodist church. Catholic church. Presbyterian church. It's the church. Any church that, that, that upholds Christ. That's the church. It's you and me. We're the church. So that's what he's talking about. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. I love that. This is so good. All right, real quick. In just a minute, I'm going to say some things that some of you aren't going to agree, some of you here won't agree with, okay? That's okay. Just hang in there with me, all right? Um, and, 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 and try to stretch yourself a little bit, because if you've come in a more conservative, literal, not necessarily literal, because I think this is literal, but if you come from a very conservative background and you've been taught wives submit to husbands and so forth, I'm going to say some things that some of you may have a little bit of a, of a hard time with, but, but just give me, give me a chance, okay? I do know what I'm talking about. Um, and I do think I'm not stretching the text, the Bible, at all. So, so stay, stay with me. I just, want, I just want to say that. Three things, three ways that you're going to get unconflicted and stay that way, okay? I'll talk more about that in a second because, again, it's not a formula. The first thing comes from verse 21. Let's go back to it, that lost verse, I call it. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent or submit to one another. One way that you're going to get unconflicted is by, I work really hard on these, on these adjectives, by being boldly submissive. By being boldly submissive to each other. Boldly means willing to be and eager to face danger or adventure with a sense of confidence and even fearlessness. You know, and that's what we do. And, and, and the thing about submission is, you know, the, the example, we submit to God. We submit to Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, you submit to Him. And we don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know how things going to turn out. We'd like to think we can, and it drives us nuts sometimes, but we don't. And the same happens when we submit to our husband or to our wives, we don't always know. But that's where trust comes in. It's a sacred trust. That's why it's not about being domineering. It's not about being manipulative. It's a sacred. It's not using a club. 
It's about a sacred trust with one another. Some of you in a, in a traditional setting, many of you live like this. You trust your wives every day when you leave your kids, your precious kids with your wife. And, and, and she makes the, the decisions in many situations. Sometimes she can run it by you, sometimes not. That's okay. You've submitted to her that, or vice versa in some cases. That's, that's, that's submission, that's trust. And it may be in other areas of your life. We submit to one another. Bold submission. We do that. And we do that because, well, that's, how, that's, how, that's the example we have from Christ, first of all. And then he asks us to do that with each other. It's not always my way. It's submitting to one another's strengths. She's stronger at this than I'm going to submit to her. He's stronger than I'm going to submit to him. Now, it works both ways. If you're going to have the kind of marriage that is equally fulfilling, you are going to have to submit or give preference to one another. That's the first thing. Bold submission. Second thing. Now let's go back to verse 22 where we left off. Chapter 5 of Ephesians. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Say, okay, I I don't know. Hey, don't forget verse 21. We still submit one to another. Now, it, it's, this is not a passage about gender roles. Let me just say that. This is what's going to kind of kick against some of you. This is not gender roles. And I know that because if you think about when this was written, okay, circa 65, 60 AD, 65 AD. I mean, you talk about a male-dominated society? Give me a break. I mean, women were precious, um, precious more, hardly anything more than, than a possession. I mean, just barely. So what, what the apostle is writing here was revolutionary to that culture. He was saying, so when he says, hey, submit one to another, the guys are like, huh? And then he says, okay, wives, do submit to your husbands. That's good. And then he says, husbands, by the way, <laughs> love your wife like Christ loves the church. So you see, it's, a, it's an equal thing. And when you realize the setting in which this was written, it was really revolutionary. Somehow, I don't know how, in the church throughout the last century, or, 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 or more than that, um, it's gotten lost, and it's become a husband's, you know, the head of the wife, and wife submit to you. They take that verse, and just, they forget verse 21, and they forget the part that follows in, in verse uh, 25, and so forth. Uh, and it's, it's, this is just wrong. It's out of context. Let me show you another, let me show you another passage real quick before I give you this point. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, As the same goes for you husbands. Now he talks to husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. Treat her with understanding, some Bibles read. As women, they lack some of your advantages. But in the new life, of, that was especially true then. It's still true in some ways. Okay? In some ways. Uh, you know, watch this, watch this, watch this. But in the new life of God's grace, you're equals. Whoa, what? Yeah, right there. 65 circa AD, right there in the Bible. Where's it been all these years? I don't know. Somebody cut it out of their Bible and said, oh, that's not in there, man. Treat your wives then as equals so your prayers are unhindered or your prayers don't run aground. Isn't that amazing? It's right there in the Bible. You know, I don't mean to ride my hobby horse, but I don't know. How does this stuff get missed? You know, how does, how does the church become, in general, oftentimes sexist? It's not the Bible. You've got a bunch of 
Crazies. Anyway, um, can't say what I'm thinking. My life tells me you don't always say what's on the inside, Rich. Oh, it's a new concept for me. Yeah. Um, but I mean, really, it's true. I mean, you know, right there, we're equal. So my point is this. Here's the point, and I want you to see. Not only are we going to be boldly submissive, we are going to have raving honor, okay? We're going to have raving honor. And again, raving, used to emphasize the sense of admiration and excitement felt for something or for someone. I just, I just, I'm just nuts about this person, and I want to honor them. Do I always feel that way? Of course not. Life isn't a movie. But, but at the end of the day, I stop and I think about that. I, I, I just want to honor them and how I live. Um, you know, it, this, this is an encouragement to live in a way that is mutually honoring to each other, whether I'm leading, whether I'm following, or whether I'm just tagging along. It's a way that we can honor each other and I can honor my spouse and I think of ways and how I can do that. It's an attitude. And it lives itself out. And I'm going to give you some suggestions on on, on loving in just a moment, which will kind of correlate with this as well. You honor each other. Does the husband honor the wife? Yep. Does the wife honor the husband? Yeah. Again, we're equals in this thing. Now, One is not supposed to always lead. Sometimes one leads, the other leads. But here's what happens. Both are supposed to always love. Let me show you the third thing. It comes from Ephesians 5. Pick it up where we left off. Verse 25. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. I read this earlier. I love this. I love this. Exactly as Christ did. That's what Christ did for the church. He loved us with a love marked by giving, not getting Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out in her. Dressing her in, I love this, watch this. I love, da, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. That is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. I call this outrageous love. Just outrageous love. It's interesting to me that the metaphor that the Bible uses when he tells husbands to love their wives, and by the way, it works both ways. Again, we're not talking gender roles. We're talking about characteristics of a marriage. And when, it's interesting that he tells us that we are to love our wives, and our wives are to love us like Christ loved the church. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us with our flaws. He loves us with all of our issues, all of our problems, all of our stuff. He loves us, and that's how we're to love our mate. It's amazing. So here's what I did. I like lists. You guys know that. I like lists. So I just, I just made a, a bunch of lists. I got some help from, from mostly my wife, but, but some others. What, what does outrageous love look like every day? And this is, there's going to be a blog up sometime tomorrow with all these and more. So you can kind of look them over. So you, I'm not going to have it for you in PowerPoint, but just, just listen, all right? What does outrageous love look like every day? Just think about that. I mean, every day, how, how does it look? Um, well, it brings out the best in your mate. That's what the text, that's what the Bible says. Brings out the best. You seek to bring out the best in your mate. Oh, one of the things, you saw a clip last week. Um, I, I didn't see it, but I heard about it from um, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, the TV show. And I find the show funny. I mean, it's, it's, it's entertaining. I, I don't watch it much. We've watched it from time to time, and it's funny. But you know, golly. 
I, I think it's probably the opposite of bringing out the best in each other, you know? I mean, and, and, and you know, it, it, it's funny in a perverted kind of way, but and that's not how you want to live, okay? Let me just say that. Every now and then, I suppose, there's a tender moment, but um, <clears throat> we're to bring the best out in our mate. We look for ways to do that. Uh, we're, for look, we're to look, look for ways to encourage them, whether it be with words or actions. Look for ways to encourage them. Um, we're to um, speak words of affirmation. Everybody needs affirmation. You know, let me just say that real quick, right? So, well, I don't need a lot of affirmation. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You need affirmation. Everybody needs affirmation. Some need more, but we all need affirmation. All right, keep going here. Make a lot of love. Oh, that's next week. Sorry, I can't talk about that. Um, uh, words of affirmation. Give, give the hard messages. How about this one? Give the hard messages. You got to do that sometimes in a gentle way. Sometimes we have to have hard talks. They're not fun, and, and it has to be, you know, you did this, or you, you said this, or this happened. Well, when we have this outrageous love, we give the hard message in a gentle way. Takes out the trash without asking. Doesn't nag about taking out the trash. You know, just little things. Here, how about this one? If you have outrageous love, it limits the eye roll and all of its cousins. You know about that? You know about that eye roll thing? I don't know what it is that you women, you go to this female school when you're about eight or nine, and I think it's universal to females. They have this eye roll thing. And, and I remember one time, and, and my wife is about as near perfect as you can be. She doesn't like when I say that. But there was a time, and actually we were in counseling, and we were talking about what, what I do, what you do that makes me feel a certain way. And one of the things I said was, that eye roll thing, honey makes me feel like I'm a freaking little kid and that you're my mother and I don't want to sleep with my mother. And I, I love my mother, but I don't want you to be my mother, you know? And, and I said, you know, and, and she, and you know what? And she's here, so I, I, I want to be very careful how, what I say because I never say anything negative about my wife because there's not much to say. And, and let me just say this. If anybody ever deserved a lot of eye rolls, it would be this guy right here, okay? I, I, I deserve a lot more than I've ever gotten. But it's a, I know, it's a, and my daughter started doing it when she was young. She quit, but... but it's a female thing, I'm telling you. Um, and, and you know what? I'll just say this about my wonderful wife. Uh, other than an occasional time when she still falls into sin every so often, she, she's limited that. She doesn't do that anymore. Why? Because I said, you know, I, just, I feel dishonored. I don't feel loved. The moment you do that little eye roll thing. And then she told me something. Well, let me tell you about a couple things. There were a few. We won't go into those today, though, will we? Nah. Don't need to do that. But... Uh, my point is this. I don't know what it is for you, the two of you, but you need to talk about that. And it may be something, obviously there's nothing, nothing sinful about an eye roll, but maybe for a particular person, or maybe it's the way some of us guys, you know, act arrogant or do something like this sometimes. Um, you know, whatever it happens to be. Uh, in my case, uh, you know, I'd start talking, I'd start doing like this. I'd get up and start talking to my wife like this, you know, because i start pacing. Sit down, you know. You know, I, and, and it, it was very dishonoring to her. And so I said, you know, I'm not going to do that. So I just took my belt and strapped it onto the chair, and I'm there. Um, <laughs> and talk. Anyway, whatever it is, you've got to figure that out. Being a good dad, a giving dad, or good giving mom. Not just say, I'll get a babysitter, I'll take care of the kids. You know, it's, it's uh, showing affection in the proper places. Oh, that's next week. Sorry, I can't do that. Um, it's tenderness. 
tenderness. For guys, that we would call that non-sexual touching, which is not an oxymoron, okay? I know. Um, it's just taking something off their plate of the other person. It's looking for ways to please. It's being observant of, the, of your mate's choices. Not just getting flowers, but the kind of flowers that they like. Um, it's, it's, you know, looking for movies or plays or, or what, that, that you know they would like. That means, guys, we're going to go to some chick flicks and we're going to like it. We are. We're going to, you know, I'll tell you the, hint, the key to that. Get a big, big thing of popcorn, get a lot of butter on it, baby, you're good to go. I mean, you know, even the worst chick flick goes with buttered popcorn, you know. Um, we look for things. Uh, encourages watching football. Gives up watching football. The second game, maybe, you know? Um, it's, getting, it's getting lingerie. Well, that's, that's next week. Unexpected gift giving. You know, it's funny. You know what's funny about that? I said, that's exactly how I did the last service. I just said, it's, it's really, it's two words. Getting, getting lingerie. Well, that's next week. And then I kept going on. A guy comes up to me after the last service. And he said, man, I love that sermon on lingerie. I said, it's three words. That's all I heard. After that, I tuned out. That's all I heard. He said, I'm coming next week. Anyway, so isn't that funny? It just cracked me up. Anyway, personalized gift giving, learning love languages, thoughtfulness, um, doing things that just makes life enjoyable for your mate. Both ways, both ways, okay? Not one way. Um, sometimes big things, sometimes small things, but it, you know, it has to do with your motivation. So I'm not telling you that every time you take out the trash, you're saying, oh, honey, I love you, I love you, I love you. It has to do with your motivation. It has to do with an attitude of just trying to serve one another, trying to meet one another's not just needs, but their wants and, and the things that just make life fun and enjoyable and meaningful. That's what it is. That's what the Bible's talking about. Boldly submissive, raving honor, outrageous love. That's what it is. Charlie's going to do a song that I think just kind of puts us all together for us. And, uh, and you're going to hear it, and it's, you, you may have heard it before, but it's just really, really good. So we're going, to, we're going to listen to that. But right now, I just want to pray. I want to ask, as they, come on up, guys. As, and, and I want to pray and ask God to help us to be aware every day of what it means to be boldly submissive, what it means to have raving honor, and what it means to have outrageous love. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we're humbled by how much you love us and the grace that you have shown to us. God, I pray that each one of us would leave here thinking about ways that we can be boldly submissive to the other, that we can just have that honor that it's just, it's just unequaled and that, that love that is outrageous. We pray that for each of us. We pray that God would remind us of that in our hearts and in our minds, uh, not just today, but in the, in the days to come. For those who are in difficult places right now in their, in their life or relationship, God, I pray a special blessing upon them. This probably hasn't been easy for them, but I pray that you would help them that you would bring them to a place where this kind of, uh, these kinds of ideas and this kind of teaching will help them in their own life 
in the days and in the years to come. We pray a special blessing for them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.